Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Flaschenberg, and I'm the host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we have one of my all-time favorite episodes. We have a community birth story. I love these. I love hearing how people's pregnancy and births unfolded and how they're moving into parenthood. It just absolutely lights me up. And what's special about today's community birth story, it is about a twin birth. I don't think in all my years of doing birth stories on Yoga Birth Babies, we've had a twin birth story. So this is really exciting. Exciting to me. It's also exciting to me because our speaker today, Jenny Campbell, is one of our teacher trainees. She graduated about, I think, maybe a year, a little over a year ago, maybe a year and a half ago. And throughout her pregnancy, she was doing teacher training and then she finished training and she continued to take class and then came back after her babies for postnatal yoga. So it was really just an honor and a pleasure to watch her go through this whole experience. And I reached out to her to see if she would share her story. And she said, yes. And I was so happy to listen to it. Let me tell you a little bit about Jenny. So Jenny Campbell is a Brooklyn-based yoga teacher, dancer, and new mom to twins. She was introduced to yoga through her background in modern dance and has been teaching for 15 years. She's the founder of Urban Ohm NYC, whose mission is to help students live more joyful, healthy lives by means of private yoga, meditation, and retreats. And Jenny is fierce and awesome and just wonderful. And I've had such a wonderful time getting to know her. And I know you're going to really enjoy listening to her story. Before we get to that, just a few things happening at the studio. So a reminder that we have decided to indefinitely continue our online classes. So it's wonderful because I've had more and more people show up to class saying, oh, they've been listening to the podcast and they didn't realize that our community was still happening online. And it is. So if you are pregnant, if you just had a baby, we have something for you that we can not just connect over the podcast, we can connect through through class, through our yoga classes or our different workshops, whatever it is, we've got you covered and we're happy to support you. So you can check that out on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. Now, I also know that it's not always so easy to get to class. So I have what I'm calling your cheat sheet that if you can't get to class, class, but maybe your body, whether you're pregnant or just had a baby, feels a little achy and you're trying to figure out what to do for that, head to the website and download five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. And even though I said pregnancy, it's perfect for postpartum because what you can do for your upper back, neck, shoulders, hips, the same prenatal and postnatal. So if you just need a few minutes to do something to relax you, to open you, to release you, Check out five simple solutions to the most common pregnancy pains. Grab it on our website at prenatalyogacenter.com. Also, things are starting to stir with the teacher training. So we're heading into our final teacher training online for a while. So we're going to have a January and February online teacher training. And then... (laughs) Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed, everything crossed. We are back in the studio for our March and 
April. So we'll be back in New York City. So if you've been wanting to do this teacher training and you want to spend a couple weekends in New York City, check that out, March and April. September and October, again in New York City. So we're not back online for another teacher training until next November. So if you miss this January and February, Mark it in your calendar. We already have our November, December dates set. So I'm hoping that those that are really want to take that deep dive into pre and postnatal yoga will join me for that. All right. Then the last thing I want to share is you've probably heard me talking about we have partnered for some of our workshops with this wonderful company called Boober. And so if you're looking for lactation support or a birth doula or a mental health therapist or a postpartum doula, use the code PYC to get 10% off your first services. So you just have to go to getboober.com and they're great. And I believe in them because we are hosting and working with them for several of our workshops. It's a great relationship. So I hope you get to enjoy that. Okay. We're gonna take a super quick break and we come back. Please enjoy Jenny's birth story. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Jenny. How are you? Hi, Deb. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. As we were saying before we started recording, I am so excited to hear your birth story because I had the pleasure of watching you go through pretty much the majority of your pregnancy. But when you came back for postpartum, for postnatal class, I didn't really get a chance to hear. So I'm thrilled. I'm so excited to have a chance to get to go over everything with you. How are you with uh, two little ones? You must be quite sleep deprived. Uh, yes, a bit, a bit. I'm so happy to be here. the The twins are seven months now, oh my goodness. and so um, much more interactive with us, with the world, with each other. And they're starting to move, which is its own new adventure. In opposite of, directions? <laughs> yep, backwards. <laughs> like one's going one forward. way and the other one's yep. going the other way. Wait till they're yep. like two and you try to take them to the playground. <laughs> well, I can't even time. imagine. You've got some time. One day at a time, right? Yes. So I love community birth stories. I feel like it is such a way for people to get inspired and also to hear different possibilities. And when I knew you were having twins, I'm, I kind of had my eye on you. I'm like, ooh, <laughs> let's get her a story. So I've had the, the pleasure of getting to know you because you did our teacher training. You've been coming to classes. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself. So I am a modern dancer and yoga teacher um, living in, in Brooklyn, originally from Chicago, went to school for dance, and then that brought me to New York and started teaching. And I've been here for, gosh, 15 years now, so it's, it's been a while. And I'm pretty sure I saw you in one of Jody's performances Years ago at the JCC. Am I right about that? Am I making, I, I could be making this up. So. <laughs> I think so. No, I think you're right. I, I know which performance you're referring to. Yeah. And I, 
yeah, I think that I was. I love how small <laughs> the world is. That makes me I happy. Know, I love it. Me so, too. So it's been really great to get to know you and, and creating all our connections. So now let's dive a little bit into you as a yoga teacher and a dancer and pregnancy. So as a yoga teacher, and someone very in their body, especially modern dance. I feel like there's something very earthy about modern dance. How did you feel moving through your practice in a new way than you did pre-pregnancy? Because all of a sudden your body, which was your instrument, is changing. And I'm also wondering with twins, like emotionally, mentally, what was that like? It was incredibly humbling. I mean, the entire process was really humbling And so I found out that I was pregnant very early. I knew that there was a chance that that I might be pregnant and I was about to go on vacation. So I wanted to see if I could have a glass of wine (laughs) while I was on vacation. And so I found out at four weeks that, that I was pregnant, but nothing felt different. You know, I had really taken the test to prove that I wasn't. It was actually our first month trying. And, but then right at six weeks, like on the nose, I got hit with pretty intense nausea and fatigue, which I had throughout my entire pregnancy. It was, it was worse the first trimester, you know, including like three hour naps during the day. And I'm, I'm really not a napper. And, you know, the whole, the whole morning sickness thing, it's really a misnomer because it's all day. So I went from being this really physical person, you know, every day would take a dance class, yoga class, go for a run, you know, eat lots of greens and veggies. And then that turned into really only being able to eat beige food, (laughs) could barely do any sort of yoga practice. Um, you know, I, I definitely did prenatal with you, which, which was wonderful. And I had to take a lot of rests, a lot of breaks through, throughout that practice. So it was definitely, an act of surrendering, right, mm. right from from the beginning, and then that continued. You know, the the nausea definitely continued throughout my pregnancy. It did get better in in the second trimester, but then there were you know other things that came up. I had a lot of issues with heartburn, and as you know, I had a lot of issues with my pelvis. Yeah. I had a lot of pain in um, pubic symphysis pain, and that was challenging to work with. It, um, definitely slowed me way down, even, you know, with walking. And, and so, so I found a prenatal practice really helpful because there were all these modifications. I had kind of been continuing to do a very modified version of my pre-pregnancy practice, but by around, I want to say like 21, 22 weeks, it kind of just wasn't possible any anymore. In a twin pregnancy, not only are you carrying two babies, but but you have twice the amount of pregnancy hormones, and so mm-hmm. that explains why a lot of people do have really intense nausea and a lot and a lot of fatigue. Was it a surprise when you heard you were having twins? Yes, yes, <laughs> I. I can still hear the gasp that left my that left my mouth when when we found out it was our first ultrasound at at seven weeks and the technician um, English wasn't her first language and so 
she started by saying, you know, it's good that you're lying down. And then she said, or is it laying down? She's like, I don't know which one it is, but you're having twins. And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) It was, I wasn't expecting it at all. I knew that twins ran in, um, in Ben's, my, my partner's name is Ben's family, but I had even Googled it before to see, you know, what the chances are of twins. And it's really just on the mother's side that it, that it, that it's hereditary. Later in my pregnancy, when I shared with my family, I found out that there is another set of twins in my family that I hadn't known about prior. Um, but yeah, it, it was a big surprise. I, I have twins in my that. family. My grandfather was a twin and I have cousins that are twins. So for both my pregnancies, when we, when we had that, you know, the transvaginal, uh, yeah. ultrasound, it's like, take another sweep around. Just make sure there's, because like my grandfather, you know, like close in line. So I was, yeah, I was preparing myself. I know, just take another sweep in there. Just make sure there's no one hiding. But I was one, of course, when we went through, you know, when I went through teacher training with you and watching you, I never ask, um, because it could be IVF, but when you said it was your first try, the first month of trying, I kind of figured it might've been a bit of a surprise. Yep. Yep. It, it was a big surprise. And that was the sort of thing, you know, I, we started trying, it was the last month of my 36th year. So right, right before my 37th birthday. And, and so I just didn't know how it was going to go. Like you never know until you start mm-hmm. trying. Yeah. And so I was a little worried, you know, in my, being in my late thirties and then got pregnant on the first try with twins. I was like, okay. So, so it's working. Everything's working there. Yeah. So yeah. I'd love to hear about what helped you physically and mentally prepare for the birth of twins? So definitely prenatal yoga, both for the physical, you know, help of, of modifying with a very quickly changing body. You know, oftentimes I think people just focus on the belly and the weight of the belly, but there's so much going on in your joints Mm -hmm. and pre-pregnancy. I was already on the hyper mobile side. And so with, with all the relaxing hormone, I just really felt unstable and, and felt like I really needed that extra support of, of prenatal, uh, specific yoga. So, so that was definitely really helpful as well as the community. Mm. I, everything was online, you know, it was during lockdown and there were two other twin moms. I know. Taking, Isn't that unique at that time? It was amazing because a twin pregnancy, at least for me, can feel kind of lonely. You know, you read the pregnancy books and there might be a small blurb on on twins. And so sometimes you could feel kind of left out. And so even even if I wasn't experiencing any of the same symptoms, anything that was going on with the other twin moms, just knowing that there are other twin pregnancies in the room or in the virtual room made me feel less alone, made me feel more supported. And another thing I did was I hired a doula. I hired Lindsay Bliss, who she herself has two sets of twins. I, I wanted somebody who was comfortable with twins and knowing that she had had them herself. I knew that you know, both from working with other families and then her personal experience, 
it, it turned out to be a really great fit. And she was such a wonderful support for, for us both. What did she offer or did she offer anything to help you get in the mindset of, okay, when they come, there's going to be two sets and you might want to try to do this. And like, how was it, was, how was her experience relayed to you that you found really valuable? One thing that she shared that I find myself doing often is you're holding one twin and the other one needs you in, in some way. And you just say, I will be right with you. I'm coming. Hold on. I remember her explaining how she had done that with her, with her twins. And I find myself doing that often, you know, trying to comfort one with my words while holding that the, the other. I think that's actually useful. That's really good. I'm going to steal that with my kids and they're not even okay. But I realize <laughs> that sometimes one of them is taking all the attention and the other one needs attention and just kind of acknowledge like giving the attention verbally sometimes can be when you can't physically be there can, can still make them feel involved. So <laughs> I'm going to steal that. <laughs> I, th- I think it's also helpful as a parent to feel like you're supporting both children as, as well. Cause I think that's a hard thing as, as a twin parent is, especially when they're really young. Little, yeah. yeah. When, you, when you're alone with them and they just both want to be held, it kind of breaks your heart that once they've gotten big enough, you can't really do that. Mm-hmm. It's, re- it's just really hard. So I've, I've found that to be a really useful twin tool. That's great. All right. So now I want to hear the juicy stories of your birth story. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'm just going to close my mouth and listen. We'll be right back. Okay. The floor is yours. How did your birth unfold? Okay. So one thing that was introduced to me from the very beginning was baby positioning. So I told my doctors, you know, I wanted to try to have a vaginal birth And they explained that if both babies were head down, I could definitely try for a vaginal birth. If baby A was misaligned, was breached, then it would be an automatic C-section. And then if baby A was head down and baby B was breached, then it was kind of a wild card because it would matter who was on call, what doctor you got. And they explained that some doctors were comfortable with with that, with a breach extraction, and some weren't, and some, it would be an automatic C-section. So I knew that kind of from the, the very, the very beginning. And so moving through my pregnancy, you get a lot of scans in a, in a twin pregnancy, pretty much double what you get for, for a single pregnancy. And so was watching the baby positioning as I went along, I knew that there was a very good chance that I could deliver early. I had spoken to several other twin parents and about half of them had shared some sort of early delivery story sometime in the NICU. So I I just knew that that was always a possibility. So kept an eye on, on who was up, who was down. And so as started to get into the weeks, you know, the thirties, Baby A was head down, but baby B kept flipping. It was like every other week he was head down. And then the next, the next week he would be breech and he kept flip flopping. And so he would kind of celebrate when he was head down and when he was breech, like, Oh man, okay. Like 
well, we don't know how this is going to go. And I carried for almost to 38 weeks. I was like a, a day shy of, of 38 weeks. And so we were gearing up for an induction and it, at my last appointment, baby B was breech again. And so originally when I had chosen my induction date, I had, they kind of give you a week to choose from a week window. And so I'd pick some dates later in the week, hoping that, okay, maybe I can just go into labor on my own. And as we found out that he was breached, then the doctor said, okay, you should choose these days to get induced because these doctors are, are more senior that, you know, they'll be more comfortable with, you know, with a breach birth. And so that meant that I was going to be induced two or three days from, from when I, you know, actually did go into labor. And the story is I, my, my parents had come into town about a week before and I was, I had just eaten dinner with them. They went back to their Airbnb. They were, they were staying close by. And I just laid on the couch. Ben put on you know, a bad eighties movie. <laughs> I was, I was just there texting no my phone. bad 80s movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I love the 80s movies. I'll stop talking. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I love it. I felt a weird cramp. And I even, I said out loud, I was like, well, that's new. And then I felt, and then I felt leaking. And I was kind of like, okay. And I, I was like, okay, it was just like a little bit, like who knows what that was. And then there was more. And so I, I texted my do. I texted Lindsay, like, you know, my, my water just broke. I'm, I'm going to call you in a couple minutes. And the thing that I hadn't realized about water breaking is it's not, or maybe it is sometimes, but for me, it's not like in the movies when it's just one foul swoop and then, and then it's done. It just continues to leak. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I call her after a, a few minutes and, you know, she said, I, you know, I think you should call the doctor and, also, just so you know, my other client just just let me know that the doctor wants her to be induced tonight. It is at the same hospital. She's also going to NYU. And so it, it was kind of like the stars aligned that we were both going into labor, but happened to be at the same hospital. And so, you know, got ourselves ready and went to the hospital and went into triage. My, my water had broken. So they admitted me pretty much right away. And they, you know, they, they introduced the idea of, of Pitocin, but at that time, my contractions were, were pretty regular. And, you know, it, it's funny because I, I wasn't sure what a contraction would feel like. Everyone had kind of explained it as a sensation of kind of higher up moving down and mine felt much more like menstrual cramps. They felt very low. Mm-hmm. And, and so in the beginning I was kind of like, are these contractions? And then once I was connected to the monitors, then I could see like, okay, yes, those are the contractions. And, you know, I had two monitors, um, strapped, strapped to me. And I know that some people prefer the intermittent monitoring for me. 
and I know that they do that because maybe they want to move around, walk around. For me, I had gained 70 pounds. I was full term with twins. I wasn't going anywhere. I was perfectly happy to, you know, be, to be in bed with, with, with the peanut and, you know, met my nurse and my NYU nurses are amazing. I had, um, two different nurses and they, they were incredible. And so, you know, got to the room and I, I got an epidural at about seven hours and something to know about twin twin births in New York city hospitals is that it's pretty much the rule that you will deliver in an operating room. So that was also something that was introduced to me very early on in that most doctors want you to have an epidural or at least, um, what is it called? The like, portal, at least, like the catheter. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And so I knew that I wanted to wait a bit and until I, I got mine, but by seven hours I was ready, you know, deep bow to anybody who does it without an epidural. <laughs> it was, it, you know, those contractions were, were intense and there was something kind of satisfying of, of feeling the contractions and then s- seeing on the monitor, the wave of them going up and down and it, it took a while for the epidural to kick in. And I, and I remember that from classes with you where, you know, when we would do the mock contractions, you would say like, even if you're planning on having, you know, medicated birth, it might take a while for it to kick in. You might still have to deal with some pain. And so I thought of you during that. I was like, <laughs> this is taking a little while. Um, and then finally, you know, they got the right dose and, I was able to kind of, I wouldn't say I was able to sleep super well, but kind of dozed in and out, was at least more comfortable, was lying on my side with with the peanut. And, you know, another part of getting an epidural is that you also, uh, you have a catheter. And that was another intervention that for me kind of felt like a godsend. I, because I was so big and I had to pee all the time. It was this such a laborious process. To like, why didn't I have this of, at 30 weeks? <laughs> you know, to get out of bed and yeah. <laughs> like, and then it was like, by the time you, you know, got back in, you, you had to go again. So anyways, um, I, I responded really well to, to that, to that part and was much more comfortable for it. And then I, I never had to get Pitocin and my, my contractions were very even and progressing well. And so that was, that was never a part of my story, at least, at least for laboring. And it was through, through the night and into the morning. And then early in the morning, I started to get sick. And then, so this is during COVID times. And so I, I've been wearing a mask this whole time. And it wasn't until I started vomiting that my mask could come down and, you know, I was throwing up and I I did get some medication for the nausea. They tried one, it didn't work, tried another. And and then that finally, finally did the, did the trick. And so, so that felt a lot better. And then we were, it was probably early afternoon 
I was starting to get some breakthrough pain and I was about nine, 10 centimeters. I was getting ready. And they were saying, you know, it was, it was too close to adjust anything. So I just kept pressing the, the green little button to, to get, to get more medicine. And by the time that, that I went into the OR, I, I felt pretty, I felt pretty good. And the other thing about a twin pregnancy or twin birth delivering in the OR, there are a lot of people there. And I had, I had known that that had been introduced to me as well. I'd kind of gotten the heads up because each baby gets their own, you know, set of, of med, um, you know, doctors, nurses. And so, you know, you get wheeled in and everyone's introducing themselves to you, or maybe there's some residents who are asking if they can come and watch. And I was just like, yes, yes, fine. Like, I'm not going to remember your name. Like there's no way I'm about to give birth. And one of the first things they did once I was in there was they, they started to transition me from the, the hospital bed to a laboring bed. And that felt very precarious. You know, again, I was, you know, really big. It felt like moving kind of like Humpty Dumpty as I, I felt very wobbly and, finally got on to this bed that was more narrow than, than the hospital bed I had been in. And then the doctor came in and said, you know, I've delivered a lot of twin births and I actually think that it's better to be in the hospital bed. So then I moved back to that, but like, it, it's like almost comical of how long it took to transition from one bed to the other and then back to the original one. But I have to say, I was so grateful that the doctor suggested that because I, I felt so much more comfortable in, in the hospital bed. And then it was time to push. And because, you know, I, there wasn't, I didn't have any pain. And so the contractions felt like constriction around, around my abdomen. And then you also look over to the monitor and it kind of confirms that you're having a contraction. So Ben held one leg, Lindsay held the other. And so you're kind of like in a squat, like on, on your back and started pushing. And for, for baby a, his heart rate started to drop at, at one point. And the doctor said, you know, we're either going to have to use suction or do a C-section if you can't get him out in this next push. And so no pressure or anything, right? It's like, um, so I'm waiting for the, the, the next contraction and then his heart rate normalizes. And the doctor says, you know, heart rate is normal, but there's no reason that you can't get him out in, in this next push. And I, and I will say, I, I feel like from the, just being a dancer, I, I deal fairly well under pressure. So actually I was able to get him out in, in that last push, he came out and, you know, is crying and pink. And it was like this beautiful, beautiful moment of, of holding him. And then you have, you know, you have another baby to, to, to birth. And so when, once baby A, who's Quinn, um, 
you know, had, had done a bit of skin to skin, cut his cord and they, they took him over to his station because they, they came over and did another ultrasound to see the positioning of baby B because sometimes they can flip on their own. Once mm-hmm. baby A is out of the way, sometimes they will reposition. And, and he was, he was still breech and almost like a little transverse too. Like his head was kind of leaning over. And so they did what is called a breech extraction where they manually reach in and pull the baby out. And this happened with the assistance of me pushing. So they would tell me, you know, when, when to push it, didn't take long because they're, they're five minutes apart. They, you know, take him out and I see him when, once he's out and he's kind of purple, he's kind of blue. And it was this very, very scary moment. Nobody else seemed fearful. Everybody else seemed cool, calm, collected, but I was, you know, having a moment and kind of freaking out because he wasn't crying. Um, they were just holding him kind of in a seated position and he was this purple color, but they still put him, you know, on my chest for a a moment. And then, then they took him to his station with his doctors and nurses. And there were a few minutes there where I, it was this really, really scary moment where I thought I was coming in with twins and I was going to leave with, with one baby. And that was just in my mind. And I, and I kept asking people is, you know, is he okay? And, and, you know, Lindsay was great. She assured me, you know, he's okay. And and she explained that sometimes uh, with a breech extraction, the baby is just kind of stunned a bit. And after a few minutes, he started crying and, then they brought them both back to me and laid them on, on my chest. I'd had a little bit of, of tearing. And so, um, just, I had a couple of stitches and then that was it. They, they wheel you back to your room. And it's something that I hadn't known about post-birth is that immediately the nurse started pushing on my abdomen to push oh, my the uterus massage uterus down. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not comfortable. Yeah. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> it's not a nice massage. No, no, not the kind of massage. you want. Um, but yeah, yeah. And then it's, it's pretty quick after that. You've spent hours in, in this room. It was, it was 17 hours from, from the time that I went into labor around 8 PM on Thursday to one in the afternoon on, on the next day. And, and then really it's like a half an hour, hour until they take you to another part of the hospital. You know, they take you out of the labor and delivery floor and and into a room. And I will say for that, something about NYU is oftentimes you have to share a room with a net, with another family and the, the nurse who was on, on call, in, in that department was, was so kind to us. She's like, you guys have twins. I'm giving you a room to yourself. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> wow. That sounds, that sounds like it was incredible. I didn't, I really had no idea where, like that you had that moment with, um, with your second baby of that must've been really scary to it not was really hear scary. him right away. 
Yeah. And I will, and I will also say that, you know, the, the outcome of, of my birth was what I had wanted. I'd wanted, you know, a, a vaginal birth, but I also saw in one moment how it was out of my control. You know, that moment when baby A's heart rate started to drop, it could have gone in a completely different direction. Mm -hmm. So I, I never want another twin parent to hear my story and compare it to theirs and think, you know, that they've done something wrong if they didn't have a vaginal birth and that's what they had wanted. You know, it's, I, I do feel like, I feel like there is some, there's just some chance there. And, and it really, in a moment I saw how I could have had a very different birth story. What I, I appreciate and what I, about your story and one reason I really think it's important to do community birth stories is to hear that as much as we prepare and with the support and we build our team, there are moments that are just out of our control and we can go in with a certain intention and really work to that. And then we have to just let the birth and the baby have the path it's going to have. And what I really appreciate is recognizing it's not what anyone did wrong. Like there is nothing you would have done mm-hmm. wrong if it ended up in a different direction. And I think sometimes people after a birth near that maybe didn't go in the direction they imagined, they can blame themselves. But I, I really like that you highlighted the surrender to control because there's only so much we can push that river. We have to let it flow. And I think, I think that goes forth into parenthood as well. Absolutely. In the very beginning of pregnancy, a friend had used the expression, you know, holding it with an open hand. That first trimester, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty of, of, you know, the possibility of miscarriage. And I, I really like that image of holding things with an open hand and, you know, of course you, you want things to go a certain way. And then you have to admit that there, there is just an element that you can't control. You yeah. can't control everything that, that happens during pregnancy and yeah, postpartum and, and into parenthood as well. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you with, tw- no, knowing there was twins, how did you prepare for postpartum and what has your postpartum experience been like? So one thing that was really wonderful was that we had family staying nearby for about three months. So those first three months, we were really supported and we would have family who would cook for us pretty much every night, would help take care of the babies. So I could take a nap during the day. And so preparing in in that way was incredibly helpful. I feel like that really helped with my mood uh, postpartum because a a big thing about postpartum is like all your self-care goes out the window. You think about the basics, nutrition, sleep, showering. You know, if you don't (laughs) have help, (laughs) those things just, they go out the window. And so having family, I I do feel like we, you know, we could have gotten by without it, but I don't think those first few months would have been as joyful as, as they were. And it also allowed me to start to very slowly get back in, into my body and back into a movement practice. And I mean, super, super slowly. 
How long did it take your pubic symphysis to feel better? Oh my gosh. Like I'm seven months postpartum. I think it started to feel totally better about a month ago, but I, but I will say it started to feel significantly better once once I had the babies, a doctor, <laughs> yes, once the babies are out. Yes. <laughs> I know. No, a doctor had told me that and I kind of didn't believe her. I was like, yeah, right. Like there, you know, but she was, she was absolutely right. Once the babies were out, I felt significantly better. And I, I did at one point at, at three months postpartum, I was like, I'm going to go for a run. And that was such a bad idea. <laughs> I was, I was not ready for that. And I, and I did it the right way. I did, you know, I ran for a minute and then I walked for a minute and, and still I, you know, for, for days afterwards, I, I would like roll over in bed and, and my pubic symptoms would just be in so much pain. So, you know, you try things and then, and then you have to respect your body and, and step back and be like, okay, that was, that was too soon. And so it was more a walking practice in, in the beginning and then did postnatal Pilates. That was really helpful, you know, really focusing on breathing techniques, slow and steady movements, starting to reconnect with my core. There, there was a huge disconnect. I remember going to the pediatrician's office and you go so soon after you've delivered you know, it was like a, a day or two afterwards. And I felt like my abdomen was jello. We, we were driving. And so going over potholes and things like that, I, I was holding my belly with my hands and it just felt, I just felt so disconnected from it. So that was a journey to tune back into that. And, you know, postnatal yoga has, has been really helpful and it, it has been very much a process of listening because it's not like, oh, it's this month of postpartum. Now I can do X, Y, and Z. There, there is, you know, it's not really linear that way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, at six weeks, the doctor can clear you for, for movement, but you know, it's not like movement from pre-pregnancy. There, there's got to be a gradual return. And mm-hmm. so things like, coming back to a chaturanga or an upward facing dog, it really has been an intuitive process of feeling when I, when I've been ready to, to return to it. It's just one day it's more of a thought of, Oh, I, I think I might be able to do that. And you give it a try and it feels good or it doesn't. And then you back off. Um, but it's not like, Oh, at four months, you'll be able to do this. And so it's very much, I mean, that's the practice, right? tuning in, being present and, and really listening. And curious and mm-hmm. yeah, what can I do instead of going with an agenda of this is what I'm going to do. And yet you're totally right. That is the practice about being present and curious and exploring. At least that's how I like to approach the yoga practice as opposed to I must do this, this, and this. That's what it. is one thing you wish someone had told you prior to either the birth or postpartum? I I wish I had known a bit more about breech extraction. And maybe that was on me that I, I should have looked into it. But for as much as it was introduced from the perspective of, of baby positioning, I just wish that there had been a little bit more information, a little bit more preparation of what that would look like, what it would feel like. 
And, you know, that there was a possibility that when the baby would come out, he would, he would be a bit stunned. And I feel like if I had had just a little bit more information ahead of time, I I could have been better prepared. Well, I think it's wonderful that you are sharing this. So I am confident there will be a pregnant parent right now with twins and putting that down on a list of, okay, let's take some time and explore this and talk to their care provider about that. So thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that. So we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd love for you to share one final tip or piece of advice you would like to offer new or expectant parents. We'll be right back. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Okay, so you've been at this parent gig for seven months with twins. That's almost like a year and a half in regular. <laughs> so, <cat lines. laughs> so what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new or expectant parents? I would say accept and ask for as much help as possible. I I feel very lucky that I have a great relationship with my family. And so they were a big support. They, they were able to, to come to New York and, and support us in that way. So that was wonderful. I know not everybody has that situation. So maybe it's accepting help from friends to come over and watch the babies while you or you know, baby, it doesn't have to be plural. Um, you know, you take, you take a shower or, you know, accepting help in the form of people bringing over meals. I know it, sometimes it can feel like we need to do things on our own, but really leaning into the idea of, of community and, and accepting, accepting the help that's offered. I like that. I think in general, um, help is always supportive and community. Like you said, community is so important. I feel like sometimes as new parents, we're like, I can do this. I can do this and kind of permute to ourselves, but why, (laughs) why if someone can help us, we need the help because at some point they're not going to be there and and you'll appreciate when they did help. Oh, I love that. So where can people find you teaching nowadays? And hopefully at PYC some point, I'd love to get you up Yes. Yes, I'm so honored that you that you asked me to to join the team and I I can't wait until we can figure out a, a time. So yeah, PYC eventually. <laughs> and <laughs> um people can find me at the Shala. I'm teaching a couple of of online classes on the Shala and they can also find me via my website urbanomnyc. I teach in-home privates and I also have some on-demand classes there that, that people can choose from, including some pre and, and postnatal videos. Oh, wonderful. Uh, and are you planning on starting to dance again? 
I'm hoping to. I'm absolutely hoping to. It, it's a big transition going from being a free bird to mom of twins. And I have to ask, you know, so many people if I can manage to, to fit things in my, in my schedule. I, I really hope so. And that's, that's definitely the, the long-term goal of getting dance back, back into my life. I bet it would make your heart happy. Cause I know when Absolutely. I, when I dip back into my art form, it always kind of opens up something that I thought was closed and feels so authentic and good. And I know that I've seen Jody's work and I believe I've seen you dance and <laughs> <laughs> at least I saw a bunch of dancers that were incredible. And I'm pretty sure you were in there and <laughs> to have that gift of movement and expression is really special. So I hope that when it is right for you and the stars align, you get to dip back into that world. Well, thank you. I, I hope so too. And and I love how you put it, you know, a, a happy heart. That's, that's a, a good thing for everyone. And I, I think it makes for good parenting too. Absolutely. Right? Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. I was really in awe of it. I didn't know all of it. And so you gave some wonderful tips for just pregnant folks and twins and, and I appreciated being so open and sharing. Thank you so much, Jenny. Thank you so much for having me. I love your podcast and I'm, I'm so happy to be a part of it. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.